Good evening. It's Monday night. It's November the 16th in the year 2020. I'm Tom Kearney, and I'm live and in real time for WPTF. And uh, we're here every night uh, with our hourly talk show, Monday through Friday. We go on from 9 to 10. We try to bring you programs that are entertaining and edifying and provide useful information. And one of the programs that I think has been useful to me for its information uh, is the program produced when tonight's guest, Mr. Barry Porter, who's the executive director of the uh, Eastern North Carolina, I'll get this approximately right, and Barry can straighten it out, uh, chapters of the American Red Cross. Uh, he, Barry is responsible for 53 counties and about an area that covers about 4.5 to 5 million people. And uh, we usually have him on about this time of year and on and, and earlier in the year because one of the things that the Red Cross has to deal with, among many, is the situation vis-a-vis uh, hurricanes that occur in the, the Atlantic Basin and come along the North Carolina coast. But uh, that's thinking of the eastern North Carolina chapters. If you think of the Red Cross, uh, the American Red Cross, or the Red Cross generally, it includes, uh, well, it probably... Uh, would include the hurricane that is striking Nicaragua tonight. And with that, we're going to toss the ball up and uh, uh, talk to Mr. Barry Porter. Tossing the ball up is good for him because he's from Indiana. And like yes, most, right. Like most of us, he likes basketball. Uh, yeah, but, that's right. <laughs> uh, good evening, Tom. I, I imagine there will be some Red Cross people uh, keeping an eye on things in Nicaragua tonight. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as an international organization, there's a, a Red Cross, a Red Crescent Society around the world. And so Nicaragua and Honduras have their own version of the Red Cross that helps people in times of disasters and calamities within their own uh, country. And then, of course, it can be called upon uh, Red Cross societies from around the world, Tom, to help because you know that's the unique part of who the American Red Cross and the Red Cross movement is. It's a worldwide movement. And uh, so you're right. We've had the one of the busiest or the busiest on record uh, this is Hurricane Iota. Uh, back on um, in August early, we had Isaias come to the shores of eastern North Carolina and got us all a little bit concerned that maybe we were in for a rough year. But they've they've been Gulf Coast storms from Laura to Sally to Delta to Zeta to Iota, and the, the you know as they say that it just keeps coming. And the American Red Cross, in the middle of this pandemic, has not stopped providing emergency relief and volunteers going to make a difference. I thought today about the, the first time I ever called you, I think, was when uh, there was a uh, earthquake in, uh, I believe it was an earthquake in Haiti. Yeah, it was a Haitian earthquake, right, exactly, in 2005. So, and um, one of the things years. that was a part of that was a lot of earth moved, a lot of uh, landslides and things like that, and the hurricanes, I, there's a little bit of a jump here, but there, there is a connection. The hurricanes that have hit Central America over the last 10 or 15 years, a lot of the damage that they have done was dropping a lot of water and causing uh, landslides. I know uh, Honduras, Belize, Nicaragua. Uh, there was one back about 2007 or 2008 that just really did the job. And I noticed that the, the people are saying that the sustained winds of the current hurricane which is Iota, I believe, Iota, uh, 160 miles per hour. That's- yeah, absolutely. It's a Category 5. You know, this has been a historic season. And as I mentioned, you know, uh, we're in a COVID 
or pandemic environment, making it very challenging for uh, the ways to deliver help as families flee their homes, many homes destroyed, uh, and people cannot go back to them. Uh, and yet these were devastating disaster events that no one really could um, uh, get much attention to uh, during the fall season. We were in the middle of a, a, a political uh, election season with federal, state, and local election uh, activities going on, a lot of media attention there. And so what we have seen is a large number of disasters in the United States, uh, in the wildfires as well, and the American Red Cross has found ways to deliver services. As an example, though, sheltering. And we probably talked about this pre-hurricane was what are we going to do? How are we going to shelter people in a hurricane environment with a COVID uh, pandemic raging? And it removed people to uh, wholesale overnight stays, as an example. Uh, and at one point in time, over 8,900 uh, people were in shelters that were hotel rooms that the Red Cross was uh, providing care for because we couldn't put them in the large congregate shelters. You know, we, you'll know, being a, from Goldsboro, we could put people in uh, the high school over there and store uh, blankets and cots and things. And in this case, we, we moved a lot of people to their own hotel rooms. Very costly for the Red Cross to do. Uh, but very necessary in this environment to keep people safe and then to, uh, provide them a safe uh, respite and re uh, recovery as they go back to their homes or or homes get repaired. Well, there were so many things I had in mind when I called you up. We usually try to invite you about this time of year, somewhere about December 1st, usually, when, when the winter season, so to speak, begins. But there were so many things that I could think of uh, having to, to, that you folks would be involved in and, and I think testing the, the things that the Red Cross is dealing with is a kind of a, a barometer on our society and the problems that it has to deal with, uh, because you're just about everywhere. I, uh, shifting from macro situations to micro, I heard a newscast the other day, and the, uh, the house had burned down, and the, the local first responders were there, and the people who were right behind the first responders, the Red Cross people, were there, too, and one of the last things the reporter said, and the Red Cross was there helping. You know, I yeah. don't know who put him up to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we appreciate that they, they do because, you know, when our when our fire departments go out and risk lives, uh, their, their own lives, to save lives and property, especially in the middle of the pandemic, and then they put away their hoses and load things back on the truck, you know, they're going to they're gonna drive off, and the family often uh, is standing there figuring out what do we do next. So, it's disasters large and small, Tom, that the American Red Cross responds to. On a national average, we go to over 63,000 events. Hurricane uh, Isaias back in August for us was a singular event that may affect many families. But then we go to those uh, single-family and multifamily fires because whether you lose your home to a hurricane, earthquake, flood, or tornado, you are suddenly left homeless, you're uh, trying to figure out what to do next. Even if you're well insured, uh, there's the immediate need for clothing, shelter, food, medical care, medical essentials that you may have lost. Uh, so we've got nurses that come into disaster, uh, health services to provide, mental health if people uh, deal with coping with loss, be either of items, but more importantly of uh, family or injury. All of those things come together to say that disaster has more impact. And one of the things we've really worked on in the last 10 years is spiritual impact. 
uh, people and spiritual care for people who go through these disasters. And so you're right, it's disasters, large or small. In eastern North Carolina, and you're listening here tonight, on average five families lose their homes to fire this time of year. It's going to be colder this week. People will use alternative heat. And the next thing we know, we'll have more fire departments calling us to be beside them 24-7 to provide care to those families in need. Wow, we did not have along our coast more. We had one hurricane that, that proved to be uh, something that had to be dealt with uh, uh, directly. Uh, there were lots and lots of hurricanes in the American Southeast, and uh, we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, uh, if we could talk about the Gulf Coast, Barry, if you don't mind, and the involvement of the Red Cross there, and I mean specifically involvement of people who are in your jurisdiction. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure there were, uh, well, in fact, I saw it on TV, people from your area, from our area, who were in Lake Charles, Louisiana, which got whacked twice, as you know. Uh, yes, so absolutely. Let's talk about that when we come back, because that, that, and it doesn't end the, the, the next day. I mean, I'm sure there are lots of people in western Louisiana who are still in a hotel or a motel or, or living with relatives or something. We're yep. talking with Barry Porter of the American Red Cross. He's the executive director of the uh, the area that covers the 53 counties of eastern North, eastern and, uh, well, part of central North Carolina. And uh, he's with us tonight, and we'll be talking with him about what's going on. One of the things, Barry, I'm sort of asking you to help me remember, uh, we need to talk about blood. Uh, because I'm sure that 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 uh, thing the Red Cross provides between 40 and 45 percent of the blood for use in hospitals and emergencies, and I'm sure the supply run or the line for that has been disrupted by lots of things. And so we we've got an opportunity to find out about that. We'll talk more with Barry Porter right after this. And uh, our guest tonight is Barry Porter, American Red Cross. Uh, regional executive uh, director of uh, the area that covers the half of uh, North Carolina, uh, 53 counties, I believe. And I asked him if uh, when we came back, uh, North Carolina didn't have as much involvement in hurricanes this year. It had one that made landfall that Barry was talking about earlier. But uh, that does not mean that people from North Carolina and the Red Cross generally were not involved. And that means... Uh, well, I think Barry was six hurricanes hit Louisiana some way or other this year, and a couple of them, there was kind of a train going on in western Louisiana. This, and, and I know you sent some people out there. They have some, some there yet. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's correct. We, You know, um, because we're a part of a, you know, a national organization, we train and equip a tremendous number of volunteers in eastern North Carolina to do logistics, to do mass care, to do nursing services, to do sheltering, be shelter managers. And uh, though we didn't have a significant landfall, unless it was your home that got hit by ECAS, and then you know it was a significant event, but we had uh, the need to then send those volunteers, keeping in mind, Tom, that we're in a pandemic, right? And so how do we get people, how do we social distance or physically distance and still provide the needs of food, shelter, comfort, medical care, uh, distribution of emergency supplies and things that people need. So it created a, a need for us to be very, very creative. So we had people that were, quote, unquote, you know, the, the boots on the ground, people who went out, went to the locations, were physically in the um, uh, 
community, working, getting the supplies, taking care of families, working with them, even though they were in hotel rooms, we were in the shelters so we could get them financial assistance, uh, working through the uh, hotel leadership, other things. And then yet we also uh, deployed a number of people virtually, people who could do casework and talk to families over the phone and things to make sure they were getting financial assistance and what their recovery plans were. So it was a combination of boots on the ground and using technology to do uh, the work remotely where we could and still make it um, a touchable moment. People in disasters need that close feeling of somebody caring for them. A lot of other charities that also come alongside weren't necessarily there this time. Uh, the fact that we were putting people in hotels, rooms caused different uh, um, factors to be taken into consideration. And so it really was a unique environment. So we had 411 volunteers deploy, uh, despite it being in a COVID environment, meaning they felt that we had the right protective uh, equipment for them. We were doing the things to social distance with the sheltering strategy, all the things we needed to do to keep those volunteers safe. Uh, but, you know, the best PPE that you have still means you have to practice personal protective safety. You've got to do those things. So we were really concerned safety of the workforce, safety of our volunteers and clients, very important. Uh, and yet we were taking care of thousands of people in Louisiana, southern Mississippi, and then the wildfires in the west. I had volunteers that went to Oregon for the fires, volunteers that went to California for the fires. It has been a busy season because uh, emergencies don't stop in a pandemic, and neither does the American Red Cross. I'm just kind of, you know, amazing. It's amazing to think when you pile these things on top of each other, and you may remember, I think you were my guest on June 1st, and one of the things that I was curious about right away was, okay, we've got a we've got a pandemic, uh, but we're also going to have a hurricane, and they sort of run into each other, and what you need to do to help the people because of uh, the hurricane is contrary to what you need to do to avoid the, the excesses of the uh, uh, coronavirus and so on. So, yeah, you folks, it sounds like you've done a had a big job and have done it reasonably well. I mean, I, I'm not, when I say reasonably, I'm not, that isn't a criticism. It's just that uh, you got the job done, I guess, is what I wanted to say. Well, exactly. You know, and yes, because we are a learning organization and tremendously trying to focus on the needs of the community and look for solutions. Uh, our motto in disaster is try to find a way to get to yes for our clients. But, you know, in getting to that yes, it costs uh, money. And, Tom, you know, we haven't spoken to that part yet about the need for financial support for the Red Cross. But uh, as an example, all those hurricanes, all those uh, wildfires, we have uh, had about the same amount of donations, just about, oh, maybe $10 million more than what we got here two years ago for Hurricane Florence. When Hurricane Florence hit, the American people, donated to us in eastern North Carolina for recovery and response, $69 million. For those hurricanes, uh, the six that were in the Gulf Coast area in Louisiana and Texas, the wildfires and all this year, it, the donations are about $82 million. And yet the number of people impacted uh, is greater by about threefold than what happened here in Florence. So you can see the, the impact of the economy, the impact of the political season, and yet we still have to find ways to 
help people with the basics, you know, that Maslow hierarchy of needs of food, clothing, shelter, giving them financial assistance to build a, and begin recovery. And so um, uh, if folks are listening, going to make some year-end plans for financial support of charities. Uh, the American Red Cross is an active charity in the midst of this pandemic in disaster and in blood services, as you mentioned earlier going to the break. We'll come back specifically to the blood services. But now I've written down on my notes that, that we needed to do what, what I'm about to present to you, and that is the, the little bit of history, because it brings into account uh, the picture that is accurate of the Red Cross in that it is not a government organization and does not routinely receive, I believe, I believe I'm stating this right, government funds. And that is Correct, it, absolutely. And yet one out of three Americans believe we are part of the government because we work alongside state local and FEMA operations in the midst of those disasters, but that's just in coordination, collaboration, and partnership. It is not financial resource. We are a charitable, not-for-profit, as you just mentioned, not funded by the government. Yeah, you got a mandate in 1917, I think, or somewhere along there. I may have been earlier. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're, you're close to the year, but you use the right term, Tom, mandate. So, right, but no what, do you, what do you mean by mandate? <laughs> Uh, what do I mean by mandate? You got yeah, the responsibility yeah. for doing the job, and uh, and the, the right to do it, and and to control that part of it. But you got, didn't get any funding with it. Yeah, that's right. One of those unfunded federal mandates was to create the uh, American Red Cross by Congress. So that's another reason people think we're a part of the government because Congress said uh, there should be a Red Cross because there's a uh, the Geneva Conventions. They told us to go out and help the nation's military and then also help with disaster planning, mitigation, response, and recovery. Oh, but by the way, uh, ask the American people to give you the money. Uh, don't come to Uncle Sam. Well, one of the, when I mentioned that I was thinking about when to introduce, introduce this subject about the government and the mandate, the, the Worldwide Red Cross organization, not the organization, but the thrust for the Worldwide Red Cross, you and I have talked about it, and we don't need to go all the way back to, to uh, 1859 tonight to mark on it, but gradually the, the countries of the world have become involved either in in the Western and Christian countries, the Red Cross, or in the Muslim countries, the, the Red Crescent, I believe. And uh, I believe that one of the key names, it's always good to have a little history in the American involvement, was the lady who was involved in nursing during the Civil War, Clara Barton. Yeah, absolutely. The angel of the battlefield, uh, one of the first women to work in the federal government uh, as a um and in doing so, she, uh, I found out just recently she was paid the same as men, Tom, back in the 1850s, 1865, unheard of at the time. But in the U.S. Patent Office, she was being paid the same salary. So she was a forerunner for women's rights and a true dynamo in creating the American Red Cross movement, and we owe a great debt to her. I think Will Rogers, I think the old comedian, and I said if the Red Cross didn't exist, somebody would have to create it. And uh, Claire Barton certainly played a part in it. Well, after the awfulness of the stuff that went on during, I was reading about mustard gas and things the other day during World War One. After the awfulness that occurred during World War One, that's one reason that the federal government, I believe, got into the the, the phrase, so to speak, and uh, gave the mandate to uh, have the Red Cross uh, uh, be the the instrument that did so much, giving the mandate to do it, but not the funding and. And even today, if uh, I believe if you want to uh, 
get in touch with, uh, say you have a serviceman and you would like him to come home because of a crisis or an emergency, the way you would do that is through the Red Cross, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Oh, the right. American Red Cross is the conduit between the U.S. service member and their family back home when okay. there's emergencies of death, financial crisis, illness, uh, something unexpected. Uh, you go to the please, American please. Red Cross and they make that impact. Well, we'll have more of that later after we check the news. Tom Kearney here on a Monday night. Uh, we usually do a little promoing at this time. Tomorrow night, Ernest Dollar, the executive director of the City Museum of Raleigh, will be our guest, and we'll be talking about, believe it or not, the history of Raleigh and the region. And uh, Wednesday night, uh, it will be music night. Uh, uh, we're going to be talking with uh, Bluegrass uh, musician, I can't even think of Joe's last name right now, uh, John, what am I? What am I trying to say here? Uh, in any event, uh, we'll we will have music. Newberry. Newberry. That's right. I lost my note card, and I've got so many Joes on my list now. I get get them all mixed up. But Joe Newberry is is not is worthy of my remembering who he is. And uh, Friday, Thursday night, we're going to have nostalgia night. Friday night will be Friday night trivia. I think we're going to have some music, not not music, but TV and and uh, movie trivia. It deals with movies and television programs that have to do with Thanksgiving. But tonight, we're talking with uh, Barry Porter of the American Red Cross, uh, the chapters that work out of Raleigh, North Carolina, and he is the executive director of the area that covers eastern North Carolina and the eastern half of the Piedmont, in effect. And we've been talking about the complicated uh, issues of dealing with uh, what the Red Cross has to do, for instance, in, in hurricanes and dealing with the pandemic at the same time, and uh, it, it, what it was a complicated problem was al already more complicated than that. And uh, one of the things, Barry, that I thought of you when I, I heard about it was uh, something that had to do with blood chemistry and, and the use of blood. Uh, I know we usually have a program about this time of year, or about the time school opens, so it's a little earlier, but it has to do with the fact that the summer's over and the, the disjointed nature of our society is such that... Uh, People are more in in their place and can uh, go to blood drives and, and regular contributions. It has been very definitely not that this year, and I'm wondering how the Red Cross is doing with blood drives. Yeah, thanks, Tom. It, you know that has been a critical factor. You know, beyond having to figure out how we are going to deliver disaster relief efforts in the middle of a COVID environment, but also uh, how are we going to continue to encourage the community to do what is very necessary. Um, for our modern health system in America, and that is have an adequate, safe, regular supply of blood products, and those products are very important for the treatment of cancer, for trauma, for surgery, all the things that we take as a part of the wonderful health care that we have in this country, because every two seconds in the United States, somebody gets a blood product transfusion in a hospital every two seconds. 30 times a minute, 1,800 times an hour, and it only comes from one person's arm to another. But now we were telling people, socially distance, stay away, don't have, you know, don't be in places where people are congregating. And so we had to work to overcome and assure the public that we were taking those steps to sanitize, to put in, uh, you know, personal protective equipment needs and to make sure that it was safe and still to come. So that was the first tactic. But then the second concern was we lost blood drives. 
about 22% of all blood do- donations in the United States come from high school and college-age students. And what happened to all the schools in March and April last year across the country? They closed and people went home. Businesses that normally sponsor blood drives sent their employees home. And so we were really, really tasked with losing blood drive after blood drive on the calendar and yet having the message through uh, radio stations like WPTF still come and getting government authorities to remind people that going or staying at home orders did not necessarily include or did not include the fact that you could go out, donate blood, and help save a life. So we've been up and down with collections, and we know right now going into the holidays it will go down again. Uh, And so I really appreciate the opportunity to tell people if you have not given blood in the last eight weeks, are you at least 17 years of age in general good health, haven't been uh, sick in the last 14 days to consider being a blood donor at this time and give the gift of life as we go into the holiday season. And one of the things that's happening, and part of, part of this I know because of you, Barry, is that not only do we have the classic uses for blood, but they're finding more and more uses for blood and plasma and th- extracts and things so that that the vital fluid is worth more than it, I'm not talking about money here, but it's saving lives than it ever was. Yeah, absolutely, because uh, blood uh, is separated into components, uh, and even, and I'll talk a little bit about convalescent plasma, but let's talk about those components. You, you donate that red bag of blood, it's, but in it is made of, of components of platelets, plasma, cryoprecipitate, which is a clotting factor, platelets, which are a clotting factor, and about half of it is uh, plasma, which then can, can contain antibodies and anticoagulants in it, can be given to burn patients and others. And so those uh, components are really critical as we break it into multiple parts. And one donation might actually touch three individual lives. Somebody would need, uh, after surgery, heart surgery may need red cells. Somebody who's been in a burning uh, circumstance where they're uh, burned in a fire or uh, uh, industrial accident or something may need plasma. Somebody who's needing clotting because their uh, blood platelets not being created could use platelets. So it's very critical to know that you can give one donation and help three individuals. Uh, I, I don't know what I'm going to ask you to think about where you'd like to go now, but I do want to return to one issue. It's something that I didn't write down and I should have, and that is you have been involved, even though that it's far away in, in the fire seems like every region of the United States had something going on and uh, something that was detrimental to people's health and the maintenance of uh, normal society. And the fires in California and uh, in Colorado, in uh, Oregon and Washington have been uh, a tremendous problem, overshadowed, I think, mostly because of the pandemic and, and the hurricanes that really made a mess out of Louisiana. Yeah, absolutely. Again, back to those same issues of the American Red Cross has four significant levels of service. And you think of the Red Cross having, you know, four points as the, the cross. So you've got our military program that we talked about. We've got the blood program and then the health and safety where we teach first aid and CPR and those things. And then the disaster program that gets lost sometimes in media coverage. Uh, and so, yes, the single, I mean, the multifamily uh, fire losses in the California wildfires and the Oregon wildfires have been significant this year and gotten lost in some of the other things going on in our 
uh, society. And, you know, disasters cause interruptions in blood, blood collection too, Tom. So all of those combined have caused the blood supplies we're mentioning to be challenged um, and uh, focused very, very difficult uh, at times to keep people mindful of coming in and donating blood. Well, the thing that I thought of the night, I, I think I told you, I, I was awake in the middle of the night. I was watching TV, and they came on and had an emergency thing about a house that had burned down and uh, or was burning down at that point, and, and the Red Cross was involved in it. And what I, I thought of is that you folks have to maintain normal services while taking on all the extra added burdens of the uh, hurricanes, the wildfires in the, in the West, uh, yep. and, and whatever else comes along. Yeah, Tom, here's how we describe it internally as sort of a, a, a languaging that we use. Uh, we call today in North Carolina a blue sky day. Uh, it was, But we still had to collect blood. We still had to take care of the military. We're still training people in first aid and CPR. But five families, on average, will lose their homes to fires in our area, the, the listening area. Five families will be standing beside a fire truck watching everything they own go up in smoke and flames. Hopefully they got out alive and safe, and the people who will be there to help are Red Cross volunteers. That's, and that was a blue sky day. Then we get it, and we call gray sky. And gray sky is when you have that flood, that tornado, that hurricane that affects thousands of people and keeps us busy for days as they're displaced, as they're out of their homes, as they can't return home, maybe don't have a home return to. So we distinguish it between a blue sky uh, day um, for us and then a gray sky day where we have to still do all the stuff that was happening in, in a normal blue sky day, collect blood, go to fires, train people, assist the nation's military. But then all of a sudden we can have these very large-scale events turning the skies gray like they're going gray over Nicaragua and Honduras today and tonight and then having uh, an impact on Red Cross volunteers getting their boots on, putting their Red Cross vest on, opening their hearts, and going out and helping make a difference in the lives of people that have been impacted. Let's take a break now, and when we come back, let's uh, talk with you about some of the other things, maybe maybe some not as critical but still important things that the Red Cross does. Uh, this is this is the, the, the uh, guest choice here, Barry. You, you get to, <laughs> That'd be great. You get to play whatever song you want to play here when we come back, okay? <laughs> now, before we go away, John, I want to talk about our friends at uh, King's Auto for a moment. Uh, and uh, in order to do that, I'm going to need to push a button here. And, and now that I've done that, I can get on with what I need to do. When servicing your car, you need to know your cycle of service. Your cycle of service begins the month that you buy your car. That cycle does not necessarily match with the normal seasonal changes. That is, if you normally change your oil four times a year, uh, sometimes it's recommended, for instance, that you choose a certain date and, and change it, and that helps you remember it. Well, with the uh, uh, situation having to do with the cycle of your, your, your service uh, or cars where you uh, schedule your service uh, intervals, based on uh, the cycle of when you bought your car and how much service your car gets. Uh, for those people that you are using synthetic oil who are driving limited uh, miles, uh, you, the, uh, 
the cycle will need to be scheduled so that it will be more appropriate to your use of mileage and of, of your oil. During your service, Kings, if you visit them, will check wipers, belts, tires, transmission fluid levels. For those of you who are uh, driving uh, a Toyota Prius or some other hybrid vehicle, the uh, certified hybrid technicians at uh, Kings Auto will be able to refurbish your high-voltage battery pack for less than the, the dealer would be able to do it. Usually this takes place or is required at about 150,000 miles. Call Kings tomorrow to schedule a courtesy battery analysis, Kings Auto Service, and Kings Correct Loop, along with the state inspection station, are easy to find at 1039 Northwest Street in downtown Raleigh and at kingautomotive.net on the web. Kings Auto Service, Raleigh's most reliable auto service uh, since 1946. 1051, WCTF, remember... On your FM line, put uh, 98.5, and on the AM line, 6. Hey, Barry, you can go ahead and talk. Uh, t- we have to call Tom back. Okay, great. Well, sorry that we have Oh, you can go ahead and talk, Barry. The electronic mouthpiece is taken care of there. Mr. Porter, are you there? i got to call Barry back. Okay. And while you're doing that, I will restate our uh, our promotions. Uh, Ernest Dollar, who is the executive director of the City Museum of Raleigh, and the Pope House Museum will be our guest tomorrow night and talk a little bit about the history of Raleigh. Uh, and uh, uh, Thursday night, I think it is, that we're going to have our nostalgia night for uh, this week. And Friday night, we're going to have uh, trivia that has to do with uh, movies and television programs that uh, have to do with Thanksgiving. My brother Stephen is going to return from the Outer Reaches and be our guest uh, uh, on that night. So that's a little bit of what's coming up on WPTF this week. By the way, our schedule, uh, we, we always enter it uh, on Monday. I usually file it with uh, the uh, guide to the uh, media page, and uh, it, it gives the shows for this week, and it was there this morning, and you can find out what's going to be on each night this week. Uh, John? Barry, Barry's back. Okay, Barry? Sorry about yes, the electronic <laughs> disconnection or whatever. I, I think the phone line just dropped out on us is what happened. <laughs> exactly. So I'm back. Can you hear me, Tom? Yep. I can hear you fine. Just fine. Now, is there any particular thing that you want to emphasize that we have not covered tonight? We may have covered yeah, all the know, important things. But, absolutely. Well, you were, you, were, uh, you, you pitched it to me to the idea. So I was listening to your ad about King Auto. Uh, and the regular scheduled maintenance of things, and you need to do those things around your home. And then I heard the weather forecast saying that it's going to be down to around 30 degrees and 51 degrees for high on Wednesday, and that reminded me that it's basically the time to be making sure that your home is safe from those house fires. Uh, and so do you have a working smoke alarm uh, or a smoke detector that's going to alert you? And so uh, we just turned our clock back. So we often remind folks during that time, Check your batteries and the condition uh, of your working smoke alarms because we will see an uptick in the number of fires when the weather gets colder and smoke alarms save more lives than uh, expensive firefighter equipment because they alert you to that possibility. They get you out of the house. You should practice how to get out of the house, have a safe place to meet once you're out of the house so the firefighters, when they arrive, know that there's no one left in the home 
to risk their own lives to, uh, to go in and try to find someone. And so it is now the best time to think about home safety, home preparedness, check your fireplace if it's a wood-burning fireplace so it's not going to have Creo so built up in it. Do those things to make sure that you're going to be safe in your home this winter using fuel sources that may cause a fire or you're you know, plugging in a lot of Christmas trees and everything else uh, and it's cold. It just wants people to be safe uh, and to check those smoke alarms uh, and to be uh, able to get out safely because you have about two to three minutes once a fire starts to get out of the home safely. Uh, and that would be the reminder, just thinking about the cold weather and uh, you were talking about auto maintenance. Well, let's do some home maintenance folks and check those smoke alarms. We must be, the Kearneys must be doing something right because on our own initiative without even a prompting, and you've done, just done a good job of prompting, I was questioning Mrs. Kearney about uh, replacing the batteries in the uh, uh, the uh, smoke alarms. And uh, she asked me a question uh, she just couldn't remember, and I, and I had to think about it for a moment. If We have a fireplace, but we, we haven't used it in years. And one of the reasons we did we quit using it was the buildup of creosote, and, and we couldn't for a long time find somebody to do the job that you were talking about there. Because if you build up enough of that, it will catch fire and it will burn your house down. So, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so you want to be safe and take those uh, extra steps. And you know the other thing about uh, the smoke alarms in your home: if they've been there more than ten years, the manufacturer will recommend that you replace them. Don't just change out the battery but because of the sensors getting coated from the environment of the house, from cooking and grease and smoke and dust, right. there's just the, the enough sometimes can coat those sensors to make them operate slowly. And so manufacturers will tell you if they've been there for more than 10 years, also replace them. So you're, you're right. There's the, the, the need to be proactive ourselves so that we can save our lives and property uh, with just simple little 10 to $15 smoke alarms or a battery. Well, Barry, we've got a nice, neat package. This is going to sound abrupt to you, but I'm going to just say it's time for us to go. Thank you for being with us. I may try to call you in a couple of minutes uh, just to check with you. That would be, be great. Thanks, That's Tom. all right. Thank you, Barry Porter of the American Red Cross. John?